This morning, I would like for you to turn with me in your copy of the scriptures to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. During the past few weeks, we've been talking about some dangerous prayers, praying some dangerous prayers. Week one, we learned to pray this, search me, O God, search me, O God, know my heart, test me. See if there's any anxious thoughts. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way or sinful way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Last week we prayed a very dangerous prayer that went something like this. Break me, God. Break me, God. Break me of anything that keeps me from being intimate with you. And today we're going to continue on this thought process as we pray this dangerous prayer. Send me. Send me, God. As many of you um, are in the habit of doing every week, we have you fill out those connection cards. We're so grateful you do that. That really does help us in in ministry and be able to connect with you and keep all of our information current. And on the back of that card, there's a place for you to put prayer requests. And every week, without fail, we we print those out for our staff and and we take those before the Lord in prayer, and we're so grateful. And we want to hear the good things that God's doing. We want to hear the answers to those prayer requests. Um, and, and we're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to do that, and we're so grateful for that. But there's one thing I noticed when going through those prayer requests is this. Typically, we ask prayer for things that impact us or the people we love, right? Lord, would you please heal Grandma? God, would you please help us as we face this job transition? God, would you please uh, give us wisdom and strength? Would you please touch our family? And again, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Absolutely and completely, we should do those things. We should pray those kind of prayers. But I wonder what would happen if we just started praying a little bit more dangerously that said something like this. Instead of saying, God, would you do this for me? Maybe a more dangerous way to pray is, God, what can I do for you? God, what can I do for you? It's not just, God, hey, you know, do this, bless me, keep me safe, but it's, God, I'm your servant, and I'm available for whatever you might call me to do. I would call that a prayer of availability. Let me just tell you, if you pray a prayer that way, God's going to do a lot of different things. He's going to speak to you in a lot of different ways. He may lead you to go to a different city. I know he's done that with us. Led us to go different places in different cities. He may lead you to uh, go to different things and maybe just stay where you're at, but you're supposed to do something where you're at. He might lead you to uh, a thing in your life that you never expected or dreamed of before. Teenager, he might make you, he may move you to break up with that somebody so he can have somebody better for you. (laughs) Drop the zero and get with the hero. (laughs) Right? Guys, you can use that line if you'd like. He might call you to serve somewhere in the church. He might even call you to be a dog person instead of a cat person. I don't know what he might call you to do, but God will do something in your life if you have the courage to pray this incredibly dangerous prayer. 
See, throughout the Old Testament, there are stories that reflect how God called people. When the call of God came, it it doesn't mean that uh, your phone rings, but what it means is that he speaks to people. It's not like he calls you up on your cell phone and says, hey, or he texts you, or on your Facebook messenger thing, the, 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 the story that's on TV, God friended me. That usually doesn't happen. But most of the time, he will speak to your people. He will prompt you. He will move in you. He will lead you to say something. He'll lead you to do something. He'll lead you to encourage someone to speak truth. God will call those who know him and who want to do his will. And we're going to talk about what that looks like today. All of those who are willing to lead dangerous, pray those dangerous prayers. In the Old Testament, there's three examples and three responses, if you will, that I want to give to this particular prayer when God speaks. The first one would be Jonah. And Jonah would say something like this, here I am, God, but I'm not going. Here I am, God, but I'm not going. If you look at Jonah, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, God spoke and said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. But what did Jonah do? He went to the complete opposite end of the known world. He says, God, here am I. He was a prophet of the Lord. And he says, and God speaks to him. He says, well, here I am, but I ain't going. I wonder how many of you have had the similar experience. You feel God prompting you to say something or to do something, but you say something like this, God, not today. I don't have time today. I can't do that today. Here I am, God. You can use me, but not today. I'm, I'm not going. I've had times in my life, I'd love to stand up here and tell you that I'm this perfect person, but I'm not. I've had times in my life when I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to say something or to do something, and because of one thing or another, whether that's fear or whatever, ended up not doing it. Remember when I was in high school, there were so many guys on my baseball team, and we were a pretty tight-knit group, and so many times I felt like the Holy Spirit was prompting me to invite them to come to our youth group, invite them to come to church, tell, share my faith with them, and to my shame, I wish I would have said, yeah, let's do this, I need to do this, but there are times, more times than not, that I said, here I am, but not today. I'm not going. I guarantee that all of you who are followers of Jesus, there are those times when God prompts you to do something, and you'll say this, I need to, I'm going to, I should, here I am, though, eh, not today. I'm not going to do this today. The second response comes from Moses. God reaches out and he calls Moses in the wilderness. And as he's calling Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, he said, God spoke and said, Now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is something that Moses probably would have agreed needed to happen. 
But instead of saying, yeah, God, sign me up. I'll go. He says something like this. Here am I. Send somebody else. Send somebody else. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. Somebody else would be better at this than me. The thing is, is that when we get that kind of attitude, we have to understand God's not calling somebody else. He's speaking to you. If you look on the, on the surface, yeah, maybe Moses wasn't the ideal person. He may not have been the one that would have fit all the check marks. But at the end of the day, God knew Moses' heart. And he knew what Moses was, could do. He knew the potential in Moses. And he sees that same potential in you. And he calls out to you and says, listen, I've got something I want you to do. I've got a, a plan for your life. I've got something for you today to do. But so many times we think, I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. God, don't you know that there's somebody else, that person over there, they're a whole lot better than I am. But God's not calling them. He's calling you. The question is, are you willing to say, yes, I'll go? Or will you say, God, here I am. Send somebody else. Send somebody else. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, we're going to read that here in just a moment. Isaiah prays a very dangerous prayer. This is what verse 8 tells us. He says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I. Send me. Heavenly Father, today I just ask from the very beginning of this message, God, we've wanted your presence here. And Holy Spirit, we feel you today. Would you speak to our hearts this morning? Would you do something great in this place today? Would you challenge our mindsets this morning, I pray, that we would be willing to pray these dangerous prayers. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's one thing I, I want us to look at in Isaiah's response before, before we get too far into this. I, I want you to notice what he didn't say. What Isaiah didn't say. He didn't ask, where are you sending me? Didn't ask that. He didn't ask, hey, is the climate nice? He didn't ask, what's the cost of living? What's the pay scale here? How much am I going to be pulling down? It's amazing to me because as I read this passage of Scripture, Nowhere in Isaiah chapter 6 does God specify the work that he wants him to do. All he says is this. He says, who will go for us? Who will, can I send? And Isaiah, in what he does is he signs what would be considered today a blank contract. And he signs his name to it and says, here am I. You can send me anytime, anywhere, any place. It doesn't matter. God, I'm available to you. Here I am. I'm signing my life on this contract. Here I am. You can send me. Send me. 
want to encourage you this week that to make this prayer part of your daily life. Lord, I give you my mind. I give you my eyes. I give you my mouth. May I speak, God, what you want me to say. May I hear only the truth of your word today and let wisdom, have the wisdom to reject anything that's not of you. Here are my hands, God. May they be used to build your kingdom. Here's my feet, God. Lead me to where you want me to go. Help me to do what you want me to do. Basically, what you're saying is this. Here I am, Lord. Send me. It's an incredibly dangerous prayer. Because when you start praying that way, I'm going to make a guarantee. Here it is. You start praying that way, God's going to interrupt your life. (laughs) You start praying that way, God's going to start prompting you. You start praying that way, God's going to move in you. And suddenly you'll recognize something. You'll recognize that God has a whole lot more for you when you start praying that way than you think you ever had before. Now, you may be praying today, you may be saying, Pastor, how, how do I get there? I mean, that sounds like a really nice thing, sign the blank contract. Here am I, send me. How, how do I make that happen? What, what happens? Well, I want us to look at this scripture text a little further. I want us to go back to verse 1 of Isaiah, because in that, I think it tells us how do we get there. I think he tells us how to get there. In verse 1 of chapter 6 of Isaiah, it says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. One cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The post of the door moved at the voice of him who cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar in his hand. And he laid it on my mouth. And said, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. And then as we read earlier, verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I. Send me. The first thing that you need to have happen, how to get there is this. You need a genuine experience with the presence of God. You need a genuine experience with the presence of God. Notice what verse 1 says. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw what? I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on his throne. The train of his robe filled the entire temple. What happened? Isaiah saw the presence of God. He saw him in majesty in all of his glory. The text goes on to talk about these angelic beings that were named seraphim that came and and they surround and they're crying out and praising God saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When Isaiah saw the presence of God, when he experienced the glory of God, it completely transformed who he was. Why is it? that you may not be able to be very very available to God. 
My question to that would be, perhaps it's because you haven't recently experienced the presence of God. Because the presence of God transforms your life. There have been times in my life that, uh, you know, as, as all of us, we have times when we feel like, God, what are you doing here? What's going on? I remember one time several years ago, I was had a 1992 Ford Ranger pickup truck. Um, I don't have it anymore, but I had that pickup truck. And, and I remember one day I got in it and I took off and went to Salt Fork State Park and found a remote place where I parked and, and kind of out of the way a little bit and sat in that pickup truck. And in, in sitting in the pickup truck, here's where I started. I started complaining to God. Anybody ever done that? Okay. I'm glad, because I didn't want to have to go back to the liar, liar, pants on fire sermon. <laughs> and I started complaining to God, and, and, and then I, this light bulb came on, because you see, as I was complaining to God, nothing was happening. I was getting more frustrated. I didn't hear anything. I wasn't prompted with anything. I didn't have anything come across. And then all of a sudden, this mindset switched in my mind and in my heart. And it says, instead of complaining, why don't you try crying out? So I began this process of just crying out before God. And and it wasn't so much of a complaint. It was, God, I need you. I don't know where you are in this situation. But, God, I need you. I need to hear from you. And that crying out led to worship. And that worship had this amazing time that happened in that little cab of that 1992 Ford Ranger. I experienced the presence of God. And I'm so thankful that that has happened in my life different times and different places and different experiences. I'm so glad I was remotely out there because somebody would have thought, what in the world's wrong with them? I had tears coming down my face and my hands are red and it, it, it didn't look probably really good. <laughs> They'd been calling the park ranger. Was, you need to help this dude. I'm so grateful for that. You know, every week before you get here, one of, the pre- one of the prayers that I've prayed from day one as your pastor is this, God, may your presence fill this place. May when people walk on this campus, may the presence of God come face to face and may they feel you, God, when they're here. Because I understand the power of His presence. I understand the power of what that does in your life. I had the privilege of growing up in a church that was like that. I remember times around the altar where praying after God and seeking after His face. I remember my youth pastor being on His face, crying out before the Lord, and just the presence of God just filling Him. I remember those things because they impacted my life. And I've found this to be true, that whenever I will take the time and say, God, I want, I need a genuine experience with you, God is always faithful. You know, we want God to to direct us. We want all these things to happen. But God's saying, what I want you to do first is come near to me. 
I love that scripture that Pastor Don quoted earlier, that Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you hope and a future to prosper you. He knows the plans he has for you. But one of the most powerful verses of scripture comes right after that one because it says this, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. speaks about this idea of needing this genuine experience with the presence of God in our life. I need him to flood my heart. I need you to take me to a deep, deeper place of real submission with you, oh God. Some of you say, well, that's never happened to me before. I want to tell you today that it absolutely can happen. And God is wanting and waiting and wanting to reveal himself to you. Scripture tells us that. And it may happen in different times. It may happen for you when you're taking a hike in the woods. It may happen for you like it did for me in the car. While you're driving down the road and a worship song comes on and suddenly you just are encompassed in his presence. It may happen to you when you're praying over your kid at night. And you begin to just intercede and pray over your son or daughter. And then all of a sudden the presence of the Lord fills that room. And there's no mistaking that God's with you. Why is it that maybe you're not as available to God as you should be? Well, maybe it's because you haven't sought after him in a while. Because it says that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because when you get in his presence, you're transformed. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His glory was everywhere. What do you need to do to get to experience a genuine experience with his presence? The second thing is this. I notice Isaiah has a genuine awareness of his sinfulness. A genuine awareness of his sinfulness. I would argue today that probably one of the biggest lies of our culture is that people believe this. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. She's a good person. He's a good person. We're good people. We're all good people. Let me tell you something. Without Christ, you are not a good person. You are a horrible, pathetic evil sinner. Welcome to Byesville Assembly of God this morning. (laughs) You're wicked. I'm wicked. We're all evil. We're all sinners. We're despicable in the eyes of God. It was when Isaiah saw the goodness of God that he realized the badness of him. He saw how holy God was and how unholy he was. And in that moment, he recognized this unrighteousness that's in his life, this general awareness of his sinfulness. And what he does when he comes face to face with that is he cries out these words, Woe is me! I'm ruined! I'm undone! I'm nothing! I'm pathetic! I'm a loser! I'm a sinner! I have nothing to offer. 
He is holy and I'm not. He's righteous and I'm not. He's full of glory and I'm full of sin. Woe to me. I'm ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King. What does it take to get to a place where you're fully surrendered? Where you'll be able to say, here I am, God, I'm yours, send me. It takes a genuine experience of the presence of God. And it takes a genuine awareness of who you are in your sin. And the third thing it takes is this. It takes a genuine understanding of God's grace. When you understand how amazing His grace is, it brings you to a point of full surrender. What happens here? He says, I saw the presence of God. I recognized I'm ruined. I'm done. I'm unclean lips. Then he says this in verse 6. One of the seraphim flew to me with the live coal, which he'd taken with the tongs of the altar in his hand. He laid it on my mouth and he said, touch your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. With one touch from the goodness of God, his sins were forgiven. They were completely atoned for. Your lying lips are forgiven. Your lustful attitudes forgiven. Your self-centered thoughts are forgiven. Your angry outbursts are forgiven. Every secret sin that you think nobody knows about but God knows about is forgiven. And not only are they forgiven, they're cast away as far as the east is from the west, never to be brought up against you. Because if you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's the God we serve. Genuine understanding of His grace. And when you understand, you didn't deserve it. But He loved you that much. And it just tells you it changes everything. It transforms your life. And in the same way that that angel took the coal from the altar and he touched Isaiah's lips, the blood of Jesus comes and covers your sin today. We recognize that we don't bring anything, but Jesus brings everything. I'll say that again. Just because you're praying a prayer, send me. It's not because you have anything to offer, because when we realize that we bring nothing, but Jesus brings everything. That's when we come together. That's when we sense God's presence, when we're aware of our own sinfulness, and when we experience the unmatched, undeserved grace of God through His Son, Jesus, that our reasonable response is, here I am, God. Send me. It's not my life anymore. It's not my desires anymore. And one of the most dangerous prayers that you can pray is, send me, God. God, you can, I'm all yours anywhere, anytime, anything. I'm all yours. And the, the cool thing about this is, is this isn't like this. This isn't like, oh, man, I got to pray this prayer. I got to pray this prayer. Uh, you ever felt like you were forced to do something? I remember whenever my kids, they felt like they were forced to clean the room. And they were. <laughs> and when they did it, they did it begrudgingly. Uh. Right? The thing about this and our relationship with God is not that you got to do it, it's that you get to do it. 
It's not that you got to give him your life and everything. It's that you get to give him everything. He's given you gifts. He's put you at this moment in history because he has something for you that you can best give glory to him. He's going to bring people across your path today that need encouragement. And you have that encouragement of the Lord that lives inside of you. He's going to bring people in your life today that have needs. And he's given you exactly what they have need of. You just have to have the courage to release it and to trust him. Say, God, use me to meet somebody's need. It's not I got to serve, it's I get to serve. And here's the other cool thing about this. This isn't a one-time decision. This isn't something like, well, back in 1984, I made a decision that I was going to serve, and I just, I just do it. That speaks more of about the got to than the get to. And it's been my experience in this, that this is not a one-time decision. It's a daily decision. It's every day. Because if you've been born into God's family, you have this thing that's going on inside of you, and it's a war. It's a war between your flesh or your sinful nature and a war and the Spirit of God. In other words, let me reword it this way. It's a war between what you want and what God wants. And every day you've got to fight that battle. Every day it's a... It's a a struggle that says, no, 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 I'm not doing this. I'm going to go and do what you want to do. Because I'm telling you what, if you start listening to the voice and doing what you want to do, here's the prayers you're going to pray. Here I am, God, but I'm not going. Here's the prayer you're going to pray. Here I am, God, but send somebody else. If you start thinking about you and it's all about you and your wants and your needs, you will never be able to come to the conclusion of praying, here I am, God, send me. Because when you pray that prayer, that's a sacrificial prayer. And it says, God, I relinquish control of my life and I give it into your hands. And when you get to that point, that's when that war gets even stronger. Daily we fight this. We choose to fight it. It it just, how do I do that? How how do I make that happen? Well, let me just kind of encourage you with this. And it's more of a, it's even an analogy that goes in so many different ways. What you feed grows, and what you starve dies. What you feed grows, and what you starve dies. So if you're feeding into your life, and it's all about you, and it's, oh, I've got to get higher, I've got to get, I've got to accumulate, it's gimme, gimme, it's my, 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 me, 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 then that part of your sinful nature is growing. It's growing up inside of you. But if you'll say, listen, I love Jesus with all my heart. I'm going to do anything I can. I'm going to deny myself. I'm in the presence of God. I'm seeking after God. I'm in his word. I'm growing spiritually. I'm involved in a discipleship class, whether it's on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night. I'm being groomed, groomed into the, in the community of believers. I'm sharpening. We're sharpening one another. We're growing towards God together. I'm using my spiritual gifts. I'm part of the church. I am in the church. I'm showing God's love then the spirit that's growing inside of you will continue to grow while your flesh dies. 
And the closer you get to God, the more you'll recognize him. And you'll be able to say, God, I'm available. Because you're saying God's available, God's going to begin to do more in you. That's why the Apostle Paul said it this way. He says, I die daily. It means that he's dying to himself every day, killing that, starving that flesh every day so that he can live for God. It's no longer I, he says, but it's Christ who lives in me. It's at that point that whenever we experience the presence of God, we're aware of our own sinfulness. We experience the glory and the grace of God when we understand he forgives us even though we didn't deserve it. That our response is this, yes, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. Please use me. I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. I want you to show me the same, other people, the same love that you've shown to me. Here I am. Send me. Let me say, well, if that's the case and you make it sound so easy, what, why is this so difficult for people? Well, because it's a dangerous prayer. Search me. Oh, God, that's a dangerous prayer. Break me, God. That's a dangerous prayer. And so is send me. You know, some people are afraid that God's going to make them sell everything and become a missionary and move to Africa where they don't have toilets and they'll just be just a tough, tough life. And they think that whenever they pray this prayer, that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to pray this prayer and God's going to send me to Africa. I might as well pack my bags before I even get to the altar and pray it. But more than likely, that might happen, and there are situations where that does happen, and God calls people like that. But more than likely, He's going to call you to be a missionary right where you are right now. He's going to call you to serve the people that are standing right in front of you. He's going to call you to be faithful with what He's already given you. So many times we, we get this idea that God's going to do all these big things and He's calling us to these big things that are bigger than us. Can I just tell you, in my entire life, whenever I felt the presence of God speaking to my life for something to do, when it's like that, who's going to go? Who's going to send? And I, send me. Because I know what's going to happen. God's going to give me something that's bigger than I am. And one thing I've learned over my lifetime with the Lord is this, is that that's usually a good thing because it means that I have to depend on Him more. That it's not just about me, it's about Him living in me. A lot of times God calls you to, it doesn't necessarily just call you to the big things, but He's calling you to stop and to listen to somebody who's hurting. Maybe he's calling you to reach out and give something to someone who's in need. Maybe he's asking you to buy an $8 lunch for a, a, a mom and her kids who didn't have any and didn't even know where they were going to eat that day. And you may look at that and you may say, well, that's a very small thing. But it wasn't small to that mom. It wasn't small to God. It might have been small to you, but God's saying, will you walk in obedience and hear my voice? And when you hear my voice, will you follow through in in obedience and say, here I am, send me. I'm willing. When you do enough little things and you're faithful to God, one one day you'll wake up and realize that the little things were actually big things. Because you were faithful day after day after day. 
And when you've been faithful in the small things, the Bible says that God will trust you with more things. He may prompt you to serve somewhere in the church. He may prompt you to serve in the nursery, which is a lot like Africa because they don't use a toilet in there either. He may call you to lead a Bible study. He may prompt you to foster kids. He he might prompt you to give above your tithe. I don't know what he's going to prompt you to do, but when he does it, you need to start saying yes to Jesus. And as you do so, you'll recognize that he's doing more and more and more in you and through you. Here I am. Send me. Here I am, God. Send me. I'm yours. Anytime, anywhere, anything, you can use me. The church I grew up in, I lived in a little town called Sealyville, Indiana. If Terre Haute had suburbs, I guess this would be a suburb, I don't know. But there's another little bird called East Glen, and it was the East Glen Assembly of God. And the way that church was designed was there was a, a door, one door where everybody came in and out. And so at the end of service, the pastor would go down to the door and, and he'd greet people as they go out. And everybody would say, oh, good sermon today, pastor. Oh, good sermon. Thank you. Oh, thank you. God bless you. Have a good week. It's awesome. And I remember um, that, that being the case. And there's a story that goes somewhat like that, same kind of situation the pastor was at the door one day, and this guy walked, he was going through the line, and he says, this great sermon, pastor. He was very emotional. He said, pastor, what you need to understand is that my life has been transformed, and the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? And the pastor's like, uh, uh, have a good day. God bless you. We'll see you next week. The next week rolls around, pastor preaches again, the guy comes up, walk to him in the line and says, pastor, pastor, oh my goodness, God is so good, God is amazing, and I just want you to know that the answer is yes. What's the question? The pastor's like, I, I, I don't know, I'll have to get back to you on that. Thank you. Have a great week. The third week comes by. And the same guy, same emotions, says, oh, man, I can't believe I just get to be here. Pastor, the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? The pastor notices that the line's real long, and the pastor's like, let me tell you what. Can we get together for coffee this week? And I want to find out what the question is, and we'll talk about the question. So they meet up during the week over coffee, and the pastor's sitting down. And he answers this question, what's this whole question, yes, answer thing? And the guy gets really emotional. He says this, Pastor, what you need to understand is that I was really, really messed up. And he started going through this whole list. He says, I was addicted. I was neglecting my wife. I was neglecting my kids. And they were in really, really bad shape. And I came to church one week, and you preached on this message, and when you did, it was like God just opened up my eyes, and I saw it, and I called on Jesus, and I'm going to tell you, Pastor, I'm a new person. 
Everything is different. Everything is not the same. You can ask my wife, she'll tell you. You can ask my kids, they'll tell you. Everybody that, I, that knows me tells me I'm a different person. And can I tell you, Pastor, that's because of Jesus? He went on to say this, Pastor, what I need you to understand is this, that the answer is yes. And here's the question, whatever you need. If you need me at 2 a.m., you can call me because the answer is yes. If you need me to mow the lawn, you can call me anytime because the answer is yes. Pastor, if you need me to, to work somewhere in the church, you can call me anytime because the answer is yes. I'll go visit people. I will pray for somebody. Whatever it is you want me to do, God has transformed my life, and I am all in. And so the answer to any question that you give me is yes. I'm completely available. Anytime, any place, anything. So how do you get to that place? I think you understand, first of all, you have to have a general experience in the presence of God. You have to understand and be aware of the sin that you have in your life. And you have to understand how great His grace is. Because you didn't deserve anything. But He gave you everything. And today, when you have that answer and you get to that place, you can say, here am I, God. Send me. You don't have to know all the details. I don't need to know that. God, all I know is that you're speaking to my heart. When you speak to my heart, the answer is yes. When that happens, you don't just have to. You get to leave your whole life and give your whole life to God. Some people will say, here am I, God. I'm not going. Some people will say, here am I, God. Send somebody else. But when you fully understand who God is and what he's done for you, the only response for us is this. Here am I, God. Send me. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, today we have come to this place. And we have... listened and watched your word from Isaiah. We've thought, Holy Spirit, you've spoken. And so this morning I ask, God, would you just move here today? You're here this morning, your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, and you say, you know what, Pastor? I have not gotten to that place where I'm at. Here am I, send me still struggling in that war that you talked about, that war between the flesh and the spirit. Still battling that. But you'd be willing today to start praying dangerous prayers. Let me also tell you this. Just because you pray a dangerous prayer doesn't mean it's going to be easy. As a matter of fact, if you read through scriptures, we're talking about between services, as you read through scripture and you begin to understand when you say, here am I, send me, the end result of that is persecution probably by the world. But wouldn't, it be rather, wouldn't you rather have an affirmation from the King of kings and the Lord of lords that you've done what he's called you to do 
You'll be able to say, here am I, God. You can send me. I will do. You can count on me, Lord. The answer is yes. Doesn't matter the question. The answer is yes, God. If you're to that place today, and you say, you know what, Pastor? That's, that's what I want to be. I want to be able to say that. Maybe you haven't been able to say that. Maybe this has been a difficult time and you've not been able to give that all to God or maybe you just haven't experienced His presence in a while. Let me encourage you. You've got to do that. You've got to get in the presence of God. You've got to pray. You've got to seek His face. Before you'll ever be able to say, God, you can send me. God, you can use me. Whatever it is, God, anytime, any place, any, anywhere, God, you can do it, God, with me anytime. Before you ever get to that place, you've got to get in his presence. And you've got to recognize what God has done for you in your life. And once those two things converge, your heart will be able to say, here my God, send me. So this morning, if you're here, and you say, Pastor, that's what I want. I want to be able to pray that dangerous prayer. Here am I, God. Send me. Would you slip up your hand right now to the Lord as an affirmation? God, that's me. Here am I, God. You can use me. Send me. Send me. Maybe you've already been praying that prayer. You can slip up your hand again and say, God, here am I. You can send me. Here am I, God. You can use me. God, I signed the blank contract. Here I am. Whatever it is, whenever, however, you can use me, Lord. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here this morning and man, you've not experienced Jesus. You've not accepted him into your life as Lord and Savior. Before we leave this place, I want to give you that opportunity today. You say, Pastor, maybe you have never done this or maybe... You've kind of fallen away from that and gotten away from God. Become aware of your sinfulness today. And say, God, I, I want to come before you. I need your grace. If that's you today, would you slip up your hand? We want to pray for you this morning. Is there anyone here today? Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet? Father, it's an act of surrender, Lord. I raise my hands to you, Lord, today. And God is with those who raised their hands earlier, God, and those maybe who have made this commitment before, God, today. We say, God, here's my life. I recognize who you are. I recognize that you're great and I'm not. I recognize that your presence is all I need. I recognize, God, that you've given me grace that I didn't deserve. And my response, God, to that today is this. God, wherever you want me to go, I'm all in. Whatever you want me to say, I'll speak it. Anytime, anything, God, I'm there. I signed the blight contract just like Isaiah. He said, who will go for us? You never told him what he was going to do. At the end of his life, it was persecution. But God, you never told him that. You just said, who am I? Who's going to go? Who's gonna, who can I send? And he just said, send me. Send me. I signed my life on the dotted line. You can send me, oh God. That's what I want. 
So, Father, today I pray as we are doing this, that, God, you can send us. You can use us. God, what would happen in our community if we would just pray dangerous prayers like this? What would happen in our family, God, if we began to make these dangerous prayers part of our life? What would happen, God, in our church if we started praying, search me, break me, send me? God, I believe the Spirit of God would move in such a powerful way. God, it would be so amazing. Help us to reach people. Help us, God, to hear your voice and to do what you've called us to do, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.